or Rachel okay, and so Joey. shipping is when you go, you have to be together. Yes. yes. Not to get political, but is that why everybody wants to ship Obama and Justin Trudeau? Yes. Yes. Like they yes. Want- <laughs> That's a bromance ship. Just think this force has a lot of heart. Hi, and welcome to One True Pairing, a.k.a. OTP. I'm Erica. And I'm Marissa. And we're both really excited today because we have our one of our office bays, um, <laughs> Jen Enderlin, the executive vice president and publisher of SMP, and also one of the arbiters of Wine O'Clock here in the office. So yeah. she holds a special <laughs> place in our hearts. So say hi to everyone, Jen. Hi, everyone. Yay. Um, so Jen has worked in romance for over 20 years, and she's definitely seen the genre change and shift in that time. Um, and she came up through the industry as a romance editor, and now she's a very big deal here at SMP. So we're really honored to have her. And as this is our third episode of our Romance Awareness Month, we feel like she can really give you guys a great insight into how romance has grown over the years. Okay. We're very excited. Yes. We don't even know how to tell you how excited we are. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so first, we're going to ask Jen some questions, and we're going to chat about her work you know, throughout the years, first going with romance novels and then dipping a little more into quote-unquote women's fiction, which we've talked about calling it women's fiction. It's really annoying. <laughs> um, and then because this is a shipping show, we have to ask her what she's reading and what couples she is shipping. And then at the end, we're going to play a game because we like games. Yes. How does this I love all games. sound? I love games. Yes. You're going to be really good at this game, I already okay. know. <laughs> yeah. good. I was reading the notes about the game, and I was like, you, Jen is yeah. going to kill this. Yeah. You might have to remind me again what shipping is. I sort of know what it is. It means when you take characters from one book and you – tell me what shipping is. So, yeah, it's um, within a, a book series or a TV show or whatever. It's your favorite couple in the series. So it could be two people who actually aren't together, like in can, – like can't – what's the word? In canon. In canon. But you want them to be. But you want them to be. Or it can be, you know... So like in Harry Potter, for example, if you really wanted Harry and Hermione to be together, you could ship Harry and Hermione. Yeah. Okay, got it. Even though they never get together, which still makes no sense. Got it. All right. right. You ready? Yeah, let's do this. All right. (laughs) So, on to romance novels. Okay. Jen, tell us a little bit about what your career's been like, why you started working with romance novels, what you love so much about the genre, etc. Well, I I love romance because it was really the first adult book that I came to. And mm-hmm. I was in sixth grade and I found a Harlequin Presents because I knew it from the white cover. Yes. And it was called The River Room by a, an author named Anne Wheel, W-E-A-L. And I remember reading it and the intensity and love between these two characters and the the back and forth and the and the can she have him? No, she can't have him. She shouldn't have him. To my little sixth grade heart, this was <laughs> unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And I think it just set on fire my little raging hormones. Oh my gosh, I, was, I love it. <laughs> I love that it was a Harlequin Presents. It was a yeah. Harlequin Presents. And then, I, and then I had the great reaction, which I think is something that happens to all people who become big readers, and especially for romance. I said, how can I find more books like this? Where are there? There have to be more. And I just searched out every bookstore, drugstore. That was way back in the 70s. So I tried to find books. Books were more available. They were more um, readily available in grocery stores and Mm -hmm. supermarkets and um, airports. So I searched them out, saved my allowance, would buy any romance I could find. I remember when I would go down to the Jersey Shore on vacation, 
I would get a, a vacation allowance. Like my parents would give me twenty dollars, oh, nice. <laughs> and I would go to the five and ten cent store at the little beach town, and I would buy a box of saltwater taffy, and I'd buy every single Victoria Holt novel that oh I could God. find. That is so and great. I would, I would do nothing but sit there on the beach or in my room eating saltwater taffy and eating up these Victoria Holt novels because I loved, I loved this idea of the dark brooding man mm. and the and the innocent girl I, yeah. I loved that and I, I think I've always been a sucker at heart for like the gothic trope mm-hmm. yeah because I love the man that you she can neither trust him nor <laughs> resist him that's I that's like the that. key to it yeah. for me. I feel like you were living every woman's dream as like a young teenager yeah. <laughs> like just sitting on the beach eating snacks reading books. You yes. know what? Isn't there nothing better than eating and reading? Yeah. Oh no, my god. Not at all. My eating books and always reading. had food stains on them because I Mine would, too. Like every meal my mom and like we would just ignore my dad and my mom and I would just sit there and eat our dinners and read books. <laughs> and my, oh my dad, dad would be like, "Oh, so no one's talking to me tonight. Cool. Thanks." But <laughs> right. then I would just have food stains all over my books. <laughs> Poor dad. So, can you tell us what the genre was like back when you first started in publishing? Um, back when I first started in publishing, the genre was it seemed like there were more romances published in physical mm-hmm. than there are now. It just, mm-hmm. I think that has made the shift over to E, and there's tons published on E now. But back then, you could walk into um, any kind of supermarket or drugstore and just see shelves and shelves and shelves of physical romance novels and um, harlequins. And there, were, there was just huge space devoted to them, which we don't really see anymore. Yeah. I actually have some pictures, too, of like... Back in the in the mid '90s, what like your typical um, midwestern gro- grocery store looked like mm-hmm. for romance? It oh, looked amazing. I remember like awesome. way more in stores, but yeah. it's so weird then now because I feel like the audience is even more voracious now. So yeah. you just think they've moved to E. I think they've moved to E, but I also think that um, they they weren't considered like a secret. They were they were more like. Everybody's mother read romance. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, that was your beach read was to go and read romance. Yeah. You'd either read the big, um, juicy glitz novels or you'd pick up a, a historical romance with the, the guy and the girl and mm-hmm. the, and the, and the, um, and the boobs and yeah. the, <laughs> and the corset. Rippers. I love yeah. the, I love, you'd see literal bodice ripping yeah. on these covers. You'd literally see it. Now, that actually, that leads really nicely into what I wanted to talk to you about specifically, because you know I'm a big fan of Bertree Small. We've had oh. this conversation a million times. I told you my Bertree Small story? You have, but I don't think yeah, Marissa's ever us, heard it. Me. So oh. tell us your Bertree Small story. Well, okay, so after I found the Harlequin Presents, I'm like, I want something even racier. And I saw Bertree Small's book Face Out in a Walden book. It was called All the Sweet Tomorrows. I love that book. <laughs> and I looked at it, and I it had a beautiful cover, and it was a trade paperback, which to me made it seem a little bit um, like more special. Mm-hmm. So I saw this beautiful dark-haired girl on the cover and this man looking at the girl so intently, and it was a trade paperback, and it, I could picture it. It beckoned me from across the, the store, and I was like, what is that book? Mm-hmm. I got it. I read it, and it blew my mind because there were sexual things in there that I never even knew existed. Like the girl in that book is kidnapped by a sheik. or, yes. or um, I think I'm, I might get this wrong. I won't get I won't get the main detail wrong. <laughs> and he puts her in her in his harem. And his sexual predilection is he liked all the girls in his harem to dress up like horses. Yeah. And, You're and, getting and, this all what? right, by the way. You're and, getting this all right. Oh and to, to like crawl around on their hands and knees and he would pretend to be the stallion yeah. in the stable of these mares. I, I had, wish that Marissa, I wish no that people idea. could see your face right now. 
Okay, I, I, my mind was my mind was blown, and I I wrote to Bertrice Small. I was probably in seventh or eighth grade then, and I wrote to her. There was an address for her at the back of the book, and I said I loved your book. I said honestly though, who are you trying to turn on? <laughs> I was I was like this prim pure. I was like yeah. I like I liked it, but again I'm like this didn't turn me on the the horse thing and the 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 mares and the stallions. So I really want to know like do do women find that um, arousing and I didn't expect to get an, an answer and I thought you know the author never writes back but then I got a letter back from oh Bertrice Small she yes. wrote back to me and she said there are many different kinds of um, sexual delights and many different <laughs> things and I like I to explore them sexual delight. <laughs> I like to explore them all in my books and some will appeal to some people and some will appeal to no people or um, other people she said but um, you can be sure that things like this probably did happen I thought, well, good to know. And then wow. I, I, um, I love that Jen was an editor even back then. I know, right? Like, but then <laughs> my query to you, Bertrice Small. <laughs> then I remember I read another one. I think another Bertrice Small, and I found what I thought was a historical inaccuracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to Bertrice again. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love this so much. And, um, <laughs> She's like, and this she wrote bitch back. <laughs> Bertrice wrote back and um, told me how I was wrong, and um, I accepted it. But I loved having this correspondence with the author, yeah. and I was so. Um, so just jazzed by the idea that she cared enough to to care what her fans yeah. thought. Yeah, even my, though I was a little pisher seventh eighth grade girl, she wrote me back. <laughs> my mom actually wrote Bertrice Small once because she was trying to find a book in one of her later series, um, The World of Atar, and she couldn't find it. She was being published, I think, at Har- by Harlequin at the time. This was before she went back to New American Library. And not only did Bertrice write her back, she mailed her the book. Oh wow, that's wow. awesome. She was one of those wonderful people, but. What do you think about her books would be problematic today? Because well, I they're can think very of politically so, incorrect. So many issues there with her were, books there now. Were, there was absolutely there was rape in her books. Mm-hmm. There was women were abducted and kidnapped and forced to pleasure the the sultan or whatever. Um, and it was oftentimes against the heroine's will. And but then she politically incorrect. She first she hated it, then she loved it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like in the Me Too movement, people might not really cotton to that they yeah. might really think that it, it sends a bad message yeah when Bertrice was big people loved the political incorrectness of her mm-hmm. books like I still read them it's still really enjoyable but I do recognize that there are portions of them now where it's like you would never yeah. get published it today the, then is it the writing is it the storytelling what I it, think she was really good at world building mm-hmm. yeah she was great at world building it was so visual I can still picture those harem ladies around <laughs> on all four and they had to wear a tail and, and like horse ears and, and everything amazing. like that I remember this scene so clearly that's you go. fascinating it's a sorry I knew I, I knew we were gonna get on the Bertrice tangent <laughs> but it's so fun and you should read them they're super yes. problematic but they're very fun so, Jen, you have kind of a unique role here at S&P in that you're a publisher, but you also acquire books. Uh, for instance, you acquired Chris and Hannah and Catherine Center, two of our faves that we've talked about on the show. So can you talk about what that is like? Well, my first love really is editing, but I also love to have the big picture handle and to be the publisher of all the books. So at times I can I can say it's like it's it's hard for me. It's conflicting because yeah. I would sometimes I'd rather like edit all day long and read all day long. But in my current role as publisher... I can't do that. So sadly, I'm actually acquiring and editing less and less, but I think I'll always keep the authors that I started with and who started with me and whose career I really feel like I I still have a hand in shaping. Mm -hmm. What I want to do is to shape a job around what 
what makes me happiest. Yeah. And if it still makes me happy to to find and acquire one or two authors a year, then I'm going to find a way to do that. Let's keep but Jen I, happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> keep Jen happy. But I can't be as voracious and acquiring editor as I have been in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's okay if I can still keep somewhat of a hand in it. Yeah. I think it would make us sad too if you weren't able to acquire because you acquire so well. Yeah, you have such we love taste. Catherine Center. So. Um, so for our listeners, can you kind of break down the difference between an editor and a publisher and what those two roles each do? Sure. Okay. So um, an editor finds and acquires the projects and edits them and gets them in good shape and champions them and shepherds them through the publishing process. The publisher can do can do that as I keep a hand in editing, but the publisher also oversees all of marketing, publicity, and editorial and, and is responsible for the entire list. So an editor is just responsible for the books on their list. Mm-hmm. A publisher is responsible for everybody's books on the entire list. So it's kind of like the editor is the director in the movie and the publisher is like the producer in the movie. Got it. That's a, that's a good, good analogy. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good analogy. That's so much faster than me trying to explain it to Becky yesterday. <laughs> okay. We've asked this question of all of our guests so far for Romance Awareness Month, but I think your answer is going to be wonderful. Yes. What about romance do you think is important and why do you think people treat it so frivolously? I think romance is so important because it's the ultimate in optimism. It's the ultimate hope. Mm -hmm. It's the hope that you can find what all of us are seeking, which is true love. Um, And it tells that story again and again, and it shows that it's possible again and again. And I think if you see something happen enough, which you do in fiction when you read romance, you believe that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what's so important to me about about romance. I think it gets treated frivolously because I think people are... um, People are nervous about being vulnerable, and I think romance, when you bear your soul to someone, you are put, you're in a vulnerable place. So people in this society these days, I think, kind of scoff at anything that is weakness or vulnerability, mm-hmm. but I think the very definition of love is weakness and vulnerability. That's so beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is it between her and DJ? It's like, I know. we should just never be on this show by ourselves. Just fire ass, guys. <laughs> That was beautiful. Thank was, you. So for someone who's new to the genre, who wants to try it for the first time, kind of what do you suggest where to start? Do you have any favorite authors you want to recommend? Any favorite genres you think people should check out first? Um, yes. So if I were starting in romance, what I, I like what would okay. be your gateway drug book? Yeah. All right. The gateway drug for romance. So there's different things you'd go to for di- like for, for his- romantic suspense. You'd go one way historical you'd go to another and contemporary you'd go to another but those are the three basics you'd find a great historical great contemporary and great romantic suspense and if you cover those um then you've got it covered but i'd start with the classics like classic romantic suspense i think you have to go all the way back to the 1930s and i think you have to start with daphne du maurier's rebecca Hmm. for classic historical romance i think you need to see what it's all about and go to the flame and the flower by kathleen woody west Um, the classic contemporary romance I'd go to, where would I go that? You know, believe it or not, this is going to sound really funny because Danielle Steele does not consider her a romance, herself a romance novelist, nor do I think her books these days are romance. But if you ever go back and read Danielle Steele's first novel, which is called Going Home Mm -hmm. or Coming Home, it's either Going Home or Coming Home, that is a great contemporary romance. It's actually, if you want to see why she is... Um, where she is after 40 years, read her first book and you'll see. 
Good to know. Wonderful. Okay. So now that we've dug deep into the industry, we want to talk about what you're reading and your favorite couple. So Jen prepped a couple for us that I'm actually really excited about because I've talked about it, I feel like, ad nauseum. Um, But I love them desperately. So Jen, go. Okay. I love Ian and Maggie from How to Walk Away by Catherine Center. These two are just made for one another. But in classic romance, when they first see each other, you think, oh, there's no way that these two should be together. And that's always the best setup. So in the book, it opens with a a woman is um, deathly afraid of flying, but she kind of gets the idea that her that her fiance wants to propose to her because he just got his pilot's license. And she's like, all right, I'll get over my fear. I'll go up in the plane with him. It'll be over quickly mm-hmm. and I'll have a ring and I'll be so happy and it'll make him happy because he'll show off how great he is at flying and maybe I'll never have to go up again. <laughs> so they go up and as luck would have it, they get into a plane crash. He walks away without a scratch and she can't walk. And she's in the hospital. She doesn't know the extent of how bad it is. And her fiancé just has completely fallen apart. The fiancé's name is, I forget. Was it Chris? Uh, it's Chad. Chad or Chip? Was it Chad? Is it Chip? Chip. Chip. I think it was Chip because yeah. it, was, it was kind of a douchey name. <laughs> yeah. Chip. So her fiancé, Chip, is just a mess and he's drunk and he's like, I feel so terrible about this. And he's a jerk because you're like, dude, you're walking. Yeah. He makes and, it like, about him. He makes it all about him. And then in walks this physical therapist who's going to work with her and the nurses go oh no not him (laughs) and as soon as you see someone say oh no not him you think well why he comes in he's not friendly he has a bad attitude they're like she needs someone gentle and caring and this is this is not the one but he's like look i may not be gentle and caring but i'm going to get you up and i'm going to get you to stop feeling sorry for yourself and then you start to get his secrets and his past and why he's like that and as these two get to know each other, you think they belong together so completely, but he does what I think is the classic barrier in contemporary romance. He sa- he basically says, run away from me. I am mm-hmm. no good for you. So Ugh. to me, when when you know that these two have to be together and yet he is saying, run away from me, I'm no good for you, then you know you have a romance that will just live in your heart forever. So mm-hmm. to me, Ian and Maggie, Ian is a physical therapist and Maggie um, are my favorite couple recently. Oh, God. And he says all of that in a Scottish accent. Yes! <laughs> Which he I was does. Gonna say, Jen, you buried the lead. He's got a thick <laughs> Scottish accent. He's, he's got really great... tall, and he's stupid hot. <laughs> yep. He's, he's tall, angry, yeah. Scottish, yeah. and really good at his job. Ugh, and so his like, job is to get her to walking and to get her to not feel sorry for herself. Like, How do you not fall in love with this guy? Yeah. Well, we know we ship it. Like we one thousand percent, we totally ship this. Becky's nodding in the background, like <laughs> I ship this so hard. So Jen, you have a reputation at Macmillan for being a genius with titles, as Marissa and I both know and love. Um, and we've already played a romance title game on this show. So instead, we're going to swap that around, and we're going to do titles and tropes. So this is how it will work. Our producer has. Um, used a random romance story generator to generate a bunch of romance story synopses. Synopses? Yeah. Yeah, that sure. sounds right. Uh, each one of us is, is going to pick a plot, and the other two have to come up with the title for that story. Oh, my God. This seems easy enough, but I'm reading these now, and they're kind of hilarious. <laughs> All right, so let's play. Um, I'll go first. So, oh, God. 
this story takes place in a mall. In it, an electrician who hates animals, I already hate him, attends a religious event and meets a clueless explorer. What starts as an obligation quickly becomes obsessive love. Yet, how can a starship security officer tear them apart? That doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Why did you title this? (laughs) All right, I'll read it again. This story takes place in a mall. In it, an electrician who hates animals attends a religious event, which at a mall? I have so many questions. Um, And meets a clueless explorer. What starts as an obligation quickly becomes obsessive love. How can a starship security officer tear them apart? So space is involved? I guess, yeah. So there's space, there's electricity, there's a hatred of animals, and there's an explorer. So it's almost like Jumanji, I guess. I would call it like, only because there's a religious thing, they're like the god and the stars or something. (laughs) I think I'd call it like shock value. Because I'm yeah. shocked that he doesn't love animals, and I'm shocked that he's an electrician, <laughs> and I'm shocked Ooh. that they're they're in, in space. Um, That's really good. And you're shocked you read it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like Marissa. Yours sounds good because it sounds like it, but it almost sounds like a historical, yeah, which would does, not have yeah. the time travel element. No. Shock value actually sounds like something like I can picture the cover of shock yeah, value. And electricity. That's a good one. That's good. Yeah, I like shock value for that. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Jen. Do you want to read one of yours? Sure. This story starts in a planetary syndicate on a fiery planet. In it, a fighter pilot who has several nervous habits becomes infatuated with a scatterbrained policeman, all thanks to someone questioning authority. Yet, how can the discovery of a lost item tear them apart? Hmm. Planetary syndicate on a fiery planet. Search for Mars? It's a fighter (laughs) pilot. So why is he on the fiery planet to begin with? And why isn't he burned up, right? Yeah. Um, He's got nervous habits, okay? And then he becomes infatuated with a a policeman. So it's a gay romance? It's a... Well, wait a second. It could be male male. But a fighter pilot, I'm assuming... No, I shouldn't make that assumption. A fighter pilot could be a woman. Okay. All thanks to someone questioning authority. Yet how can the discovery of a lost item tear them apart? Fight for Mars. I don't know why Mars stuck in my head. I don't. The fire in our stars. (laughs) On fire for you? Oh, my God. (laughs) We're going to lose the shit out of this game, man. That's really I don't even want to win. She's so good at it. (laughs) I I like that one. That's awesome. Marissa, you're up. Okay. That's so good, Jen. Okay. In this story, a hateful herbologist... (laughs) is introduced to a technician who is exiled to an... Oh, these are all sci-fi. Exiled to another world. What starts as hate unexpectedly turns into a passionate affair, all thanks to a betrayal. Yet, how can a project manager tear them apart? What? <laughs> Who's project the, managing them? Yeah, where does the project manager come into this? So read that again. She's okay. an herb, a herbalist? A hateful herbologist. Or, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So she grows plants. Yes, but hatefully, I guess. Um, and she's int- introduced to a technician. We don't know what kind, but who is exiled to another world. And they hate each other to start. But that begins a passionate affair, all thanks to a betrayal. And then, yeah, how can a project manager tear them apart? I got nothing. I would call that climbing vines. <laughs> oh, that's good, too. Yes. Or clinging vines. Because you're apologist. Yes. I I got nothing though. I'm sorry. I there's so much happening I there. Know. Like, there's what the kind of technician? There's a technician. There's a project manager. What projects is this person managing? Right. Are they managing the technician or the herbologist? Are they managing both? Right. Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. Yeah. Maybe they're technological herbs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
All right. I think that's it for today. Thank you, Jen, so much for coming on. This was Thank so much you. fun. I loved being here. I'd love to come back anytime. Oh, my God. Seriously? Totally yeah. fun. We're totally going to do that well, again. Yeah. Don't regret saying that. <laughs> uh, so don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. We love reading your reviews, and we want to know how we can make the show even better. And we actually saw a new review where someone asked about audience-submitted couples, and we definitely want to hear from you all. So you can either tweet us at OTP underscore pod or shoot us an email at OTP at McMillan.com. That's O-T-P at M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N dot com. Cheers. Cheers. One Shoe Pairing is produced by our goddess, Becky Celestina, with support from the fabulous Alexander Abnos and Katie Ferguson. The senior editor of Macmillan Podcast is the amazing Alyssa Martino. To find out more about OTP and all of Macmillan's other awesome shows, visit us at macmillanpodcast.com.